Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... So what he's saying here is, we submit to our employer, we obey our employer because of our relationship with God. That's why we do it. So what is he telling us? Regardless, this is tough, regardless of what we may think of our boss, choose service over insubordination. Anyone who has been under authority at any time in their life knows that working for someone can be difficult. Personalities can clash, and what seems fair to one may not seem fair to another. Pastor Jim shares today with us how we are to respond in these types of situations. What's God's opinion on this? We need to submit to the authority of those in charge, regardless of what we think of them. We should view it as an opportunity to serve, not an opportunity to make a statement. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 2 with part 1 of his message entitled, an attitude God loves. We are now in, in our verse-by-verse study of the book of 1 Peter, we're now in the how to live section, which if you've been around here for a long time, whenever afterward we hear the glories of Christ and then the apostles tell us how to live, it's time to have our sinuses cleared out, right? Some of us think, oh, frost in the ground, my sinuses are feeling better. No, it's 1 Peter is about to do it to us. And so one person said after the last service, I got my clock clean this morning, Pastor Jim. And I said, well, Merry Christmas. So this is, a, this is a letter written to churches in the first century. We said about 30 years after Jesus has died on the cross and ascended to heaven, the author is the Apostle Peter. He's writing to churches in the Roman Empire, specifically in the area of what we know as Turkey. And he is telling them how to live the Christian life now. He's going after some tough, tough stuff. Last time we were together, he went after us, us as citizens. Today he goes after us as employees. Now if you're an employer, there's other parts of the Bible. You're, you're going to be a little exempt today, but he goes after us as employees. And then the next time he really gets nosy and goes into our marriages. This kind of thinking, what he's going to talk to us today is quite honestly, it's anti-American. It's really, remember we said that we are aliens and exiles. And this is, this is not earthly. This is heaven's way of thinking. And I find it so interesting that God's apostles, he would take these guys who, like Peter in particular, who was really a hard-charging individual. He was an entrepreneur. He was a fisherman. He owned a fishing business. He was very bold. Sometimes you might say obnoxious. He was a church planter, love church planters, right? I love church planters, and he was a leader. So for, if you know me, for me, this is like looking in the mirror at this guy. And he is now going to teach us some of the lessons that he has learned, and he's learned the hard way. Most of the lessons we learn well, how do we learn them? The hard way. 
Things that go easy, we typically, they don't stick with us quite so well. And he's going to talk to us today, and the title of the message is, An Attitude God Loves. An Attitude God Loves. And yes, it's the S word. Submission. Submission. Now, that, remember we said two weeks ago, that doesn't mean you're a doormat. We'll talk more about this in our next study. I think as far as Peter went, he would tell you submission and following God sort of equated the reality of that was for me that I was able to be bold, finally able to be bold without being sinful. I was finally able to be a servant without being prideful. In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 2, he already warmed us up and it says, if you think you're going to get to this place without feeding your soul the word of God, forget it. It's not going to happen. Verses 4 through 10, he recapped a little bit of what he told us in chapter 1, that if you think you're going to be a submitted to God person, you've got to be firm in your identity as a chosen people of God, chosen to submit to God, Verse 11 and 12, he said, even though people mock you, God wants us all to live in such a way that honors Jesus that when he visits people, they'll go, I've seen this before. I've seen this in in someone else I know. It makes sense. We left off in our last study. He was talking about being good citizens. Let's back up to 1 Peter 2.15. He says, for this is the will of God. A lot of people always say, what's the will of God? What's the will of God? Here's one of the things God wants from us. That by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. God says, one of the ways I'm going to silence detractors from the work of my son is because of your good behavior, because of the way you live. Like we often say around here, we don't expect, you know, the people to agree with us because they're not yet Christians. By the way, if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. I didn't become a Christian until I was 29. I totally, I get it. I get it, what it is. And, and, and so it was the lives of some people that when I heard the good news, it kind of finally started to fall into place. I think of the, the late, caustic atheist Christopher Hitchens, who went around the world debating and putting down every religion, but yet in his dying years, he said, honestly, I have to admit, the nicest people I ever met in all my world travels were the evangelical, Bible-believing Christians because so many of them, no matter how much I belittled their faith, still were loving towards me. So he says, by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, verse 16, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. That will just turn people off. But as bondservants of God, willing servants of God, willingly submitting to God, verse 17, he says, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And now, he comes to where a lot of the congregation lives. We have to make the assumption that a lot of the congregation, we'll talk more about this in a second, that he's writing to the congregations, a lot of the people were slaves. 
So he comes right down to where they live, to where they work, and he's going to come to where we work too. And I'm not telling you it's going to be easy because it's not. If you're taking notes, three things. Number one, he says, be submissive servants. Be submissive servants. Look at verse 18. Servants, now some of your versions say slaves. Uh, I think in previous passages, that was a good choice, slaves, but in this one, it's not. The word uh, for servant here is the word for household servants. So these are the people who work in the basement at Downton Abbey, right? Servants, be submissive. You're like, where does Pastor Jim get these outline points? I just steal them from the Bible. That's all I do. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear. Some of your versions say respect. I don't think that's a good choice of words. I'll talk to you about that in a second. Not only to the good and gentle. Now that's interesting. Peter assumes that if you have a nice master or a nice boss, that you're good to them. That's an assumption he's making. Like, if you said to Peter, like, oh, I have a friend who has a Christian boss, but they're really nasty to him, he'd be like, that doesn't compute. He'd say, no, if you have a Christian boss that's good to you, you, or any boss that's good to you, it's assumed that you're going to treat them well, but also to the harsh. Not so sure that's a good choice of words either, because that word means literally to the crooked and dishonest. Now, scholars estimate that in the first century, between one quarter and one third, 25% and 33% of the world was slaves. And until probably about 200 years ago, that was really the way of the world. Slavery was very, very common. And here's the thing. It ranged from the cruelty of which most of us have heard about slavery to more like an employment agreement. So it was not uncommon to have slaves to be managing a household like these people he's talking to. It was not uncommon for slaves to be doctors. It was not uncommon for slaves to be managers of estates of wealthy people or the teachers of their children. Now, you say, how did someone become a slave? Often, uh, they could be born into it. Often, it was because of war. One country would conquer another and take them as slaves. Often, it was because of debt. Somebody owed somebody money, and they had to work, if you will, to pay it off because slaves buying their freedom was actually something that was very common in the ancient world. Not to be confused, although there were people who were treated very poorly. Let's not not think that never happened. But not to be confused with the disgraceful situation in the United States of America. Now, that situation was also going on in the Middle East, taking people from Africa to the Middle East. It's just that people didn't write about it. It was absolutely disgraceful. And while a lot of people want to say, well, there was a lot of people who called themselves Christians who owned slaves, it was actually the Bible-believing Christian movement, which was mainly the people who stopped slavery or began that, uh, largely uh, the work of Whitfield, Wesley, Okay, uh, coming, coming out of the British Isles as they thought it was the wrong thing to do, Amazing Grace, William Wilberforce were people that were ending the atrocities. Those were situations where people were made slaves because of race. Let's be very clear about this, Calvary Chapel, Mars Hills. There is no race at the foot of the cross. That is just a bunch of baloney. That is not true. It was godless. There is no excuse for it. 
But the apostles at this time, we have to remember, are not social revolutionaries. They are not focused on the laws of the land. They are focused on people's rebellion to God. And they are focused on teaching how to teach followers of Jesus Christ to live in a rebellious world. You know what would have happened unless God called down angels to do the battle. If the early church had tried to end slavery, Nero would have crushed them. He would have crushed them. He would have crushed the movement. And even if they were successful in ending it, the next generation would have come along and they would have done the same thing. The only way this kind of stuff ends is when the hearts of men and women begin to change. The gospel writers, you say, what does this have anything to do with us? The gospel writers are constantly showing us that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ works in every situation. Works in every situation. We can take the principles of the word of God and we can transfer them into our lives at virtually every point we encounter. It will help us as we serve in the church. It will help us as we serve in our homes. It will help us specifically, we're going to talk about today, in the working world. So what does Peter say in this verse here? In our terminology, what would it be? Work hard and do what you're told. Stop constantly rebelling. Now remember two weeks ago we said we do what we're told against the word of God. If it's against the word of God, then we have to back off. But if it's just something of preference where, well, I don't really like that, it's not something I feel like doing, Peter says you got to stop that silliness and you have to work hard, do what your boss tells you to do. And notice he says how we do it, with all fear, with all fear. Why don't I like the word respect? I think because respect misses the point, it makes us think we're supposed to respect our boss, and we should. Now, Bible students, do you remember what the three C's of Bible interpretation are? Remember in business, it's location, location, and location. And in Bible interpretation, it's context, context, and context. And so when you look at 1 Peter, the word fear is directed towards God. So what he's saying here is, we submit to our employer, we obey our employer because of our relationship with God. That's why we do it. So what is he telling us? Regardless, and this is tough, regardless of what we may think of our boss, choose service over insubordination. No matter what we may think of the way we do things in our company, We'll talk about some of this stuff in a second. No matter what we may think about these different things, what we're being paid, you agreed to work for that money. Choose service over insubordination. You're like, well, this is Peter. I'm a fan of Paul. Glad you said that. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. Let as many bondservants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Why? So that the name of God and his doctrine may not be blasphemed. So they're slaves, they have masters. Some of us feel like slaves on our jobs, right? And we feel like our boss maybe is our master. And so what is he saying to them? He's saying, do a good job so the name of God is not blasphemed. So your boss 
or a management meeting is going, hey, you know, uh, that, that Christian kid, he's got a friend. And they're not going, those flakes don't hire any more of them. No, it has to be like the life of Joseph, where Potiphar was like, hey, you know, ever since the Hebrew kid got here, man, things are going a lot better. That's the kind of witness we want to be in the workplace. Verse 2, 1 Timothy 6, 2. And those who have believing masters, if your boss is a Christian, let them not despise them because they are brethren. What does that mean? It's saying, don't take advantage of your boss just because they're a Christian. J. Vernon McGee, the great Bible teacher, called it sloppy agape. Right? You can't come in late to your job. Well, my boss is a brother. He, he, he totally understands. I said this to the last service. I think this is something we need to change around our church. Sometimes people are always late. And what is our tendency as Christians to say to other Christian brothers and sisters? Well, we're just glad you're here. What did we say to everybody who was on time when we said that? What did we say to everybody who was covering for you? Now, we're all late sometimes. We understand that. But we are devaluing the work of the people who are doing the right thing by making excuses, sloppy agape, for the people who do the wrong thing. And if you're a boss, your employees see it. They totally see it. So he says, don't despise them, don't take advantage of them because they are brethren, but rather serve them, some versions say even better, because those who are benefited are believers and beloved. What's God saying? Dude, I put you there to bless your boss. I put you there to take some work off of his or her plate, not to create more work for them. And then he tells young Timothy, Paul tells him, teach and exhort these things. What did he say? Timothy, you have to tell the people how to connect their faith with their life. So that's what I got to do. You might want to reach on the side of your seat for the seatbelts. I know this is not easy to hear, but many employees think they're fighting their boss. But they are what Gamaliel said in the book of Acts. They find themselves, they're not fighting their boss, they're actually fighting God. Many people think that their job is below them, which is akin to saying that I don't believe in the sovereignty of God. I don't believe that I'm here because God has me here. And their careless disregard for doing the right job the right way is often the reason why their career has no traction. They're not wanting to get the right job done the right way is often why a lot of people in the ministry have no traction. Constantly critiquing, constantly disagreeing instead of figuring out what needs to be done. All the excuses, all the buts, all the thinking you know better, all the unwillingness to learn and execute on what God or your employer asks you to do is sinful, and it's prideful. Now, some of you are saying, you may be here a guest today, and you say, who in the world does this guy think he is? But those who know me better know this is my wheelhouse. 
I don't have many wheelhouses, but this is it. Not counting the lawn cutting business. When I cut every lawn in my neighborhood when I was a teenager, I was the lawn boy. Most of my clients over the years that brought in the big dollars to the different business units that I owned were Fortune 500 companies. And I have seen, I have seen people rise through the ranks and I have seen people stalled. I have been in the ministry for the last 12 years. I have seen people rise through the ranks and I have seen people stalled. So particularly you young people, okay, I'm going to save you a lot of time right now. Don't turn me off. I'm going to save you a lot of time. And I'm going to make you a lot of money, some of you. A lot of money. You don't need to pay me a commission. Don't worry about it. But I do like Starbucks. So when you get that promotion, a little gift card won't hurt. I have seen 25-year-olds come into Fortune 500 companies with no work experience and pass thousands of people in five years. I have seen that happen many, many times. You say, how does it happen? I can say this with confidence. More people succeed by attitude than sheer ability. You've got to be easy to work with. You've got to be dependable. You've got to be someone who follows through. You've got to be someone who can execute on the job or the task at hand. I don't know how many of you know who Seth Godin is. He is the most famous business blogger on the internet. He's written about 15 or 20 books with the most bizarre titles you've ever seen in your life. Yahoo, many years ago when he was a young man, bought one of his companies for $30 million from him. He's a New Yorker. That's why I like him, because he's just blunt and honest. And he said words to the effect of this. You can decide that you want to go up against Amazon. And he said, you can design a better website. You can have better products. You can have a better warehouse. You can have better prices. But if when somebody places an order, nobody goes down to the warehouse, picks the order off the shelf, puts it in a box and ships it, you're going out of business. And a lot of people are full of ideas. Nothing wrong with ideas. But we have to remember that most of our employers did not hire us for ideas and critiques and criticisms. They hired us for what? Work, execution, put it in the box, and ship it. Now, what's the motivation? You say, well, what's, what's the motivation? Money? Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe for you, I don't, I don't know. But money is often, a by, for a Christian, it's a, it's a byproduct of a job well done. The motivation is in verse 19. He says, for this is commendable. That word literally means grace. He says, for this is grace. In other words, this is something that brings the favor of God's eyes if because of conscience towards God, mindful of God's will, one, that's a clue to us. When you see one in the Bible, that means there's a universal application. If one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. What's he talking about that? 
that the times, you gotta work. You gotta do what your boss says. But remember we said, if it's against the word of God, we say no. There will be times when your dishonest boss says to you, I want you to do this, and you have to say, I can't do that. I thought you were a good loyal employee. You go, I am, but I can't do that. And there's gonna be times when you're gonna get blamed for stuff you didn't do. Any that ever happened to you? I know some of you <laughs> say, I think, Pastor Jim, I think God's calling me to the ministry. I'm like, dude, how are you at getting blamed for stuff you didn't do? They're like, well, you know, I'm like, maybe you should wait. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, It's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 